we'll talk about this morning. True bread. The true bread. You know, we live in a culture today where bread gets a hard knock. Many of us are trying to get away from bread, the carbs, and all that stuff. But if we live in a time when these people lived, there, bread was an important part of their diet. Many times in the morning when I have breakfast, my wife will say to me, one or two pieces. And I typically say one. Just one. That's all I need. Because if I have a sandwich later on, that means I've had three. So I'm trying to get cut down. The other day we were at Wilmington College, and we were doing hamburgers and hot dogs, and there were many of the young people who forgo a bun just had a burger and a dog. Throw some mustard, ketchup, whatever. And so we live in a culture where bread sometimes takes a hard knock. But I don't know about you. Every now and then, every now and then, Oh, some good, soft, hot, homemade bread with some disgusting butter <laughs> that just melted to the nooks and crannies. Oh, man, that's so delicious. We got out to the restaurant, and uh, they asked us the other night, do you want bread? Well, yes, we do. What kind of question is that? Because they got that nice brown bread with it. Oh, yes. So bread is important. And when I was reading and looking at this, I thought to myself, how much can we understand how bread is, is important to us sometimes? And how much can we look at how much when Jesus identifies himself as I am the bread of life? And there's a whole lot to what he means by that. But we got to set it up because after we had left, it's, when you read this account, what you find out is, they understood that Jesus had sent his disciples away, and he had stayed back, and he was still ministering to them. But on the next day, they missed out on the fact that all of a sudden, the disciples were gone. And then they looked around, and they went, well, what happened to Jesus? They didn't have any clue that he had just previously, the night, that night, walked across the water. So all these other boats come, and they say, well... Let's follow them across to Capernaum. And when they get there, who do they run into? None other than Jesus. And they ask the question, uh, how did you get here? You ever had that happen to you when somebody gets someplace where you were and you think to yourself, how did you get here before I got here? That's what they were doing with Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus understood that they were not so much asking how he got there, because they, number one, were concerned about him. But the real intent was they were wanting to get what? Fed again. Notice what he says here. He says, uh, in verse, uh, up there in verses 22 down through there, he says when he talks about the other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had eaten bread, he had just fed some 20,000 people. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats. They went to Capernaum. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? How did you get here? Didn't know who they were talking to. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you. What does he tell them? By the way, just so you understand, truthfully, truthfully, you are seeking me, not because of you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you got your stomachs fed. You're full. 
I don't know about you. There's not too many, well, I can't say that because some of us may not do that, but not too many activities that we do that does not center around food. Amen? Now, you know how we are. We like to, whatever we do socially, we have some type of food at that gathering. Some type of food. They were there. They saw Jesus feed. They saw all that he did. And they got excited because of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And now they figured, well, if he could do that here, surely he could do that over there. And Jesus pinpoints it and puts a, a stamp on it by saying, oh, no, you're not here because of what you saw and, and the miracles that I did. You're here because you want your stomachs full. And sometimes people are like that. They don't come because they want to be part of the activity. But they come because they know with the activity comes F-O-O-D. Ooh, this, those folks can cook. They can throw down. That's what they're doing with Jesus. How many people have come to the church? How many people have come to Christ not out of the right motive because of some miraculous sign? I always tell, uh, I shouldn't say always, but sometimes I mention the fact that if I was able to do some things, I could have this church packed out. We had to do four or five services. We had to build a whole new building. If we were willing to say that we could have healing services and restore sight to the blind and people's legs were being extended and people who couldn't see were throwing their glasses away and now they got 20-20 vision and, and I promise you that if you do right and give right, God's going to bless you. And then all of a sudden you're coming in here telling me that you want a box and, and you open up a letter and there was a check for $150,000. And it's not just one or two, it's everybody coming around, four or five different people say that. All of a sudden, people would come because they would expect the miraculous, a great sign. That's just who we are. But it's the fact that Jesus is going to tell them the truth. That by the time you get to the end of this chapter, many of them backed away. Many of them turned their back and went in the opposite direction. Be very careful when we see a lot of activity, a lot of things going on, because Jesus understood that although they were fed, they came to him not because of who he was and what he's going to promise them in terms of eternal life. They came for the simple reason, to be fed. They asked him the question. Well, okay, you talk about, in verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent me. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? How could they ask Jesus by what sign he could do this? In light of, did they not see him feed the 5,000 plus? They saw it, and yet they're going to ask him, well, wait a minute, by what authority, by what, by what sign do you see, do we believe that you can do this? By the way, um, Jews, Israel, out in the wilderness, eating manna? Did we not, our fathers, eat manna in the wilderness? He gave them bread from heaven to eat? Moses. They were giving credit to Moses. Manna was sort of like cotton candy. It's real light and fluffy if you read the account in Exodus. And they were told every day to go out, get enough for that day. No more. No less. You go out, you get your family of five or four or 
20 or whatever it is, you gather all that you need for just that day. Because if you take more than what you need, it's going to turn into rotten worms and everything else. You know what that says to me? Because Jesus is going to identify with that. Is that Jesus is enough for whatever we might need. No more, no less. Jesus is sufficient. He could take care of every need. Jesus tells him, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't Moses that gave you bread. It was my father. He says, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from him, but my father gave you what? True bread. Not just any bread, but true bread. For the bread of God is what? What is the bread of God? I'm glad you asked that question. The bread of God is this. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, wait a minute. Wait, hold on, let me understand this. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the, to the world. Sir, give us this bread. Give it to us. Where can we find this, this bread? But here it comes. Is this what Jesus is going to tell them? This is what Jesus is telling us today. I am. I am what? I am the bread of life. You don't have to look around. There's no mysterious. The bread that I'm telling you about, I am that bread. When the Bible talks about give us this day our daily bread, it's just not talking about the loaves of br or bread that we think about, but it encompasses all of the needs that we will ever have. Bread, water, and anything else for our sustenance. Jesus is the full supply of whatever we might need. He is all in all. Whatever it is that you need in your life today, guess what? Jesus can't fulfill it. Why? Because he says, I am the bread of life. You want life, not just existence, but you want life, find it in Jesus. Why? Because he just said, he's going to say seven different times, I am. I am what? I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. He identifies himself seven different times, and we're going to cover this in the next few weeks. Seven different ways he identifies who he is. He alone is the only one that can say, I am the bread of life. What is it that you need? What is it that you and I are looking for? Whatever it is, Jesus is that supply. As he took care of the nation of Israel with manna, which was a type of Christ. Now he's saying, okay, you had manna, but I want you to understand, so the bread that comes from God now, I am that bread. And that same person in Christ is the same one that speaks to us today. It says, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need to satisfy yourself, I am that bread. I am that water. I am whatever it is. I am it. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not what? Hunger. You ever been hungry? I mean hungry. Not lack of you didn't eat something and your stomach is grumbling. But I'm talking about hunger. It'd be kind of, there are some people I would say that probably have been hungry, but most of us have some type of food we can get to. We, don't, we really don't understand what true hunger is. But Jesus says, hey, if you're hungry, I'm it. He can satisfy that. Not only does he say, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Have you ever been thirsty? 
Yes. I'm working out in the yard the other day, sweat profusely coming out of my body, and I thought to myself, self, I need something to drink. And it wasn't a Coke or Sprite or iced tea or beer. It was H2O. I went into my shed, and in the shelf underneath there was some bottles of water. Nice and cold, Sister Tammy. Sweat just pouring down. Took that cold bottle of water and just... And didn't let something drizzle down on the front of my shirt. Because after we did the thing at the college, I came home and said, I don't really want to cut my grass. But I better cut it because I'm talking about rain. And I mean, it was still hot. It was still muggy. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it next week. No, I'll do it now. Yeah. But after I had that water, learn, pull up my loins, I said, I'm getting this over with. There's something about understanding that in that context, Jesus is the full satisfier. We look through so much other stuff. Look, you're not going to find your satisfaction in your wife. She'll disappoint you. You won't find your satisfaction in your husband. He'll disappoint you. You won't find satisfaction in your children. They will disappoint you. Relatives, friends, job, whatever. Their life is full of disappointments. But one thing is constant and for sure. Jesus says, if you're hungry, you will never go hungry with me. If you're thirsty, you'll never go thirsty with me. Why? Because he is able to satisfy whatever it is that we need. And we're looking to everything. We talk about money in Sunday school. Look, money is here and there and gone. It's not going to satisfy. You can have all the money in the world. It'd be like the guy with the Midas touch. Everything, he thought it was a great idea that everything he touched would turn to gold until he began to realize that he couldn't eat anything or drink anything or receive a hug from anybody because all of a sudden everything that he touched turned to gold. Turned to gold. You don't miss your water until you're what? Well runs dry. You don't miss the, 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 the ability to have somebody walk up to you and say, I love you, or give you a hug until that's not there. Those small things in life are what is so important. And what Jesus, when he says, I am the bread of life, I will not let you be thirsty, and I will not allow you to be hungry. Why? Because I, because I am God, I am able to satisfy to the utmost. And the sad thing is, many of us do not believe it. He reveals who he is. They came seeking for an answer to a question, and then Jesus reveals who he is in these few verses and says, wait a minute, you're seeking for the wrong reason. You're coming because you want your stomachs full. We come to God because we think, God, I'm sick. I need you to heal me. We come because, God, I'm in financial distress. I want you to get me out of debt. We come for all the reasons like they did. We're seeking Jesus many times for the wrong reason. But Jesus says, wait a minute. Hold it. I am the bread of life. Guess what they said in verse 34? Sir, sir, sir. They had started out by talking about, referring to him as rabbi, and now they call him out, sir. You say that just to anybody. Excuse me, sir. Thank you, sir. I call everybody, sir. I go in the store. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. 
I used to deliver little kids come to the door. Hey, little eight, nine, ten, twelve. Thank you, sir. They look at you like, I'm not a sir. Yeah, you're a sir. How can you take God, who you just saw do a miraculous miracle of feeding 5,000 and reduce him down to, sir, give us this bread always. Somebody says, I would never do that. I would never watch God work a miracle and then reduce him down. to. Yes, you and I do that all the time. We lack the faith many times to believe God is able to do everything above and beyond what we can imagine. We don't have the faith to believe that God is able. We say we do, but it's how we outlive that. When you have a, 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 a husband or a wife or children or somebody that's just gone amok, and you say, well, I've been praying and nothing's changed. Keep on praying. Don't stop. Last night I was watching one of those shows that just makes you question, like, oh, no, Pastor, you don't watch that, do you? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I was watching Hotel Hell or Hell Hotel, whatever it is. <laughs> the guy that was there had a son that he fired from his hotel restaurant. He had been, his, the father said, well, he has a drinking problem. And Ramsey said, but you fired him. He said, well, I was trying to save his life. Ramsey's point, and I caught this. He said, my brother has a drug addiction problem. We've had him in rehab seven times, and seven times he's come out and failed. And still, we still are trying to reach out to him and help him. We didn't stop doing what we needed to do because he didn't recover the first or second or third or fourth time. We've done it seven times, and we're still working on the issue. You're telling me your son had a problem, and you fired him, and you have nothing to do with it. He said, that's not right. And I thought to myself, how can the world, because he may be, I don't know if he's saved or not. I don't know. He may be, but every indication, whether he is or not, how can they do way more than we sometimes in the church? So. Somebody does, us wrong, somebody does us wrong or something happens in our life, in our family, and we're ready to throw them out. No. Keep them close to you because it's the same God that forgave you wants you to be able to forgive others. Because in this life, it's not going to be if, but when we cross each other. You got to think to yourself, wait a minute. I can't... You will make yourself a miserable person by holding on to that. You really will. God forgave us. If anybody had a reason to hold something against anybody, it would be God holding against man for man's disobedience to what he has provided for us in the salvation through Jesus Christ. But God is long-suffering. God is patient. God is loving kindness. God woke us up this morning. God woke us up yesterday. God woke us up last Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. He's, a, he's blessed us above and beyond, and God still bless us. He's going to bless us this afternoon. If it be his will, he's going to wake you up tomorrow. And knowing that you and I have what? Disobeyed, walk contrary, give somebody a cross-eyed, give somebody the spiritual finger, All the time. Write people off. No. What would happen if God wrote us off? Oh. And I was talking this morning, and I was, I was serious. 
we were reading our Sunday school lessons, the same God that casts the thousands of stars into the universe and all the other galaxy, the same God who spoke and mountains were formed and rivers and seas and oceans were made and everything in the ocean and all that, that same God wants to have an intimate relationship with you and I. That says a lot of who God is. He wants the very breath of who we are to coexist with him. We can't even breathe without God. That's what he wants. I can't wake up tomorrow. I cannot wake up today and think to myself, I'm making it on my own. I want that close, snuggly relationship with God that I understand that I didn't make this by myself. I haven't received the blessing I got by myself. But it's been because of who God is. He says, I am the bread of life. If you got bread, I was thinking about Wonder Bread. Remember Wonder Bread? With the little, with the little balloon things on the cover and all that. And they talk about how, how wonderful Wonder, Wonder Bread was, so soft and cuddly and all. Jesus is better than Wonder Bread. He's the wonderful bread. Amen? What I say? He's the wonderful counselor, the everlasting God, the Prince of Peace. That's who Jesus is. And that same Jesus wants to have a relationship with everybody in here. That's why he says, they missed it. Oh, yeah. You're looking for, you want real bread? You want the true bread that comes from heaven that's better than manna? By the way, I'm it. You got to look any further. And I will tell us this morning, everybody that's in here, you don't have to look any further than to look to Christ, for he is your bread. He's my bread. He's whatever we need him to be. I am. Only he can say that. He don't need us. We need him. Only he's able to say, I am. What did God say? I am that I am. No beginning, no ending. No, there, you can't, there's nowhere to start with God. He's always been. When he says, in the beginning, it wasn't that God started. That's when God decided to step out of eternity and now say, I am. He was here before there was an I am. He, he's always been. That's the same God that you and I serve. And guess what? Look what he says. And I'm going to come to a close on this. This is beautiful. You want to doubt your salvation? You want to wonder if God loves you? Well, let me tell you something. If you're in Christ and you believe in him and he's working a work of grace in your life, this is how you will know. Catch what Jesus says. Jesus said that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet not believed. That was true. All, now catch this, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. All that the Father, guess what? I am part of the all. And if you're saved today, you're part of the all. I will what? Never. You know what I tell people? Never say never. Because sometimes never comes to pass. Jesus says, I will never cast out. If you're in Christ, you got the assurance of your salvation right there in that verse. You can't take yourself out of the hand of God. Nobody else can do it, and guess what? You can't do it yourself. Why? Because Jesus is going to tell us. He's going to tell us right here. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. This is Jesus. I didn't come down here to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this, catch this, 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing. He said he will never cast us out. And then he says, I will never lose no thing. I shall lose nothing at all that has been given me, but raise it up at the last day. That's shouting news right there. That Christ will never cast us out. And that all that the Father has given him, guess what? He's not going to lose anything. He can't lose you. Why? Because the Father has given us to him. Just in case you don't know, God called us out of eternity past. Before you were even born, before you were even a blip, a dot on this earth, God knew that one day you would come to him and say, I want to be saved. For you hath he called who were once what? In darkness and in sin. He worked your life to a point where you had to say to yourself, I need Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. This is no plaything for me. I don't come to church because I'm afraid what people might say. I don't come to church because the, the pastor and the deacons will be calling my number or knocking on my door. I don't come to church because I'm just the pastor, and if I don't come, everybody's like, what's happening with the pastor? How come he's not here? He don't want to come today. Well, why didn't he want to come? I don't do all that. You know why I come? Because what Christ has done for me, he's brought me from January 10th, 1958, to this point, August 14th, 2016. That's why I come. Because when I was sick, he raised me up. When I didn't know how I was going to make it, he helped me go through some stuff. I've been able to go through it, not because I'm so strong and I'm a man. And I, no, I made it because of God's grace. I made it because of God's mercy. He's been too good to me for me not to come and raise a hand and say, Lord, you've been so kind. You've been better to me than I have ever been to you. I've disappointed you. I've hurt your heart. You know, when it talks about Jesus wept. How many times has Jesus wept over our life? How many, just think about this. How many times have you disappointed the Lord? If I ask the question, is anybody disappointed the Lord? We could all raise our hands. Because we always, we have and we will. And yet... God's love. I mean, when I think about the Father sent his son, Jesus, God gave his very best, knowing what man was going to do to him. He didn't send Jesus saying, okay, well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. He already knew that as much as Jesus did. See, that's why I'm not so hard. That's why I'm not as hard on the people in the Bible, because they're just like us. Because all that Christ did, giving sight, feeding, and, and just being who he was and, and presenting the truth of who he was and what the Father wanted us to be and what the Father wants us to become and all that. And yet people, in the end, they could not take the message of what he was saying. And they took him and they crucified him. They put him on a cross. They nailed him and they spat on him. They beat him to a pulp. But yet that's not the end of the story. Because of God's great love, Jesus was raised from the dead. For our benefit, for our salvation. It's not what we ever do. It's always what Christ has done for us. It's always been that. 
He saw the worst. He knows the worst. Let me tell you something. Now, now we can sit in here and act like we don't got some dirt. But there ain't a single person in this room today that has, that's not has some dirt in your life. Amen. We got it. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that some of the stuff only you and God know about? Amen. You've been able to skirt through some stuff because nobody else knows. Praise be to God. Oh, yeah. Because if some of, us, if, if some of our dirt laundry was put out on the, on the laundry clothesline of life, you know, I talk about when we stand before God. There it is. There's God. We're going to stand before him, not in judgment as a believer, because I'm already assured of heaven. I stand before God for my rewards. Just me and God. And he's going to show me my life. This is your life, Byron McGee. <laughs> I'm going to be crying for some stuff. Why? Because there's some stuff I should have done that I didn't do. There's some things I should have said and I didn't say. There's some places I should have went, but I didn't go. There's some people I should have talked to, but I didn't talk to. All that, guys, I gave you, this is what you could have had. This is what my reward for you was. Because I was wanting you to do this. But you only get that. Because you weren't willing by faith to step out and do all that I wanted you to do. You know, I'm not going to send me to hell. I'm still in heaven. And then whatever reward I do get, I got to give it back to him. Because I can't do anything without Jesus. No matter what it is. I get amazed that people clamor for the attention of being up here. Listen, you don't want to be up here. No, not really. Not, not if you're going to try to do it right. You don't know, no, no, no. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than assume some of the responsibilities. Listen, if you could be happy being a doorkeeper, be a doorkeeper. If you can cut grass, cut grass. If you can clean the church, clean some toilets, do that. Don't clamor for the big things because the more you go up, the more responsibility you have and the more accountability you have and the more weight that you get. And besides, we're all in this together. It takes everybody doing what they do to make this a success. Jesus says, and I close, he says, um, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in me shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. There's coming a day. There's coming a what? There's coming a day where this is all going to be over with. Jesus is going to, the Father is going to say to the Son, because even Jesus don't know when the last day is. The Father is going to say to Jesus, time is and time shall be no more. Go down. And redeem man. Because if you don't, he's going to mess it up way more than he already has. So we messed up God's world. And then the great occasion that one day I could be standing in the pulpit, you could be sitting, you could be driving down Rombeck Avenue, you could be going to Arresti, you could be going to UPS, you could be going, driving to Florida, wherever we're going. And all of a sudden, the trump of God shall sound. 
dead in Christ shall rise. And we who are alive shall meet him. We also, I mean, I don't know the full details, but when that blast comes and Jesus pierces through the sky and we in a split second of a moment are called up out of here, wow. Wow. Somebody says, that's kind of scary. Oh, a little bit because it's unknown. But here's the thing. Do you not think Jesus has our best interests? He's calling us to where we, we live like we're going to stay here forever. This is only temporary. Amen? We should live our life thinking about going to heaven. Amen? Every day we, we That's how the New Testament saints live. They live with the idea that Jesus could come even so now, today. Did you wake up this morning thinking that Jesus could come August 14th, 2016? He could come today. He could come tomorrow. We don't know. But one thing I would encourage us to just be ready when he comes. And Jesus said, how do I know I, how do I, know I can be ready? He's not going to cast us out. And he is the one that secures our salvation. And better than that, he's able to help us each and every day walk this life. Because he says, I am the bread of life. Amen.